I think the tr- there are some guardrails that God gives us in terms of sexual purity that, that we should live above reproach, that our, our thoughts about the women that we take out on dates should honor God, not just our actions. So it's, it's not just what we do physically, it's what we do mentally. Um, we, should, we should honor um, the girls that we take on dates because they are made in the image of God and, and they, are, <clears throat> they are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's another part of it is like as Christians, we should date women who love Jesus supremely more than us. Um, I will love my wife most when I love Jesus more. What's good, everyone? Chris, the star of the show, back with you again from the Roommates Podcast. And I have a very, very special treat from you all. I have been seeing the comments and, you know, I also understand what God is telling me what to do. Y'all asking for more spiritual content. And I have brought in someone that I have been listening to, have been admiring and really want to adopt a lot of my life and principle that he has into my world as well. So I am honored. I am grateful for you all to really listen and hear and be able to sit down and witness Pastor West and his teachings. So I'm going to start over. <laughs> <You're fine. sighs> All right. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Roommates Podcast. Chris has started a show here. And do I have a treat for you all? I have brought in someone that is a spiritual teacher, a follower, and someone that's living the life every single day. You all have been asking for more spiritual content, and I am going to give it to you. So please, Roommates Family, can you all welcome in Pastor Wes Browserton? <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on, man. How you doing, Wes? I'm doing really well today. It's been a great day so far. Beautiful, beautiful. For those who do not know you, can you just tell a little 30-second me, a little background about who you are, what you do, and uh, so they all know? <laughs> sure. Uh, Wes Brazelton. I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Came back about 20 years ago to start Grace Bible Church. Uh, it's it's been an incredible adventure. I have uh, an, just a, a great uh, collection of people who serve alongside of me. Uh, our congregation is highly mobilized, and uh, and I feel like it's been a great uh, blessing and privilege to be the pastor of this church. Uh, my wife Mary and I have been married coming up on thirty years, and we have. Three kids. One's 25. Will, who lives in Bozeman, Montana. Mm. My my daughter Rebecca is 23. She just graduated from Auburn University. It's looking for her first like out of college job. Yeah. And uh, and I have a 17 year old daughter named Annie Kate, who's a junior in high school here in Houston. Wow, wow, man. Yeah, you you definitely um, have seen if you come to Grace Bible Church just the mobilization, even for. Um, like the four years I've moved out of Houston to come back to see how much of it's grown. It's been, you know, really exceptional to see, you know, so that's, that's beautiful. You know, that's all God work. And before we, you know, we go more into God, it's like how, and what made you decide to follow Jesus? You know, at, at that time, what was going through your mind at what age, what, what was, what was your mental state like and what sure. made you decide to do it? You know, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my family have a, the best mom and dad in the world. They just didn't know Jesus. And 
We didn't ever go to church. I mean, maybe once a year, maybe twice, but never regular church attenders. And so grew up really just not knowing much about Jesus. My best childhood friend growing up came from a Christian family and convinced me to go to a Christian athletic camp. Really probably did a little bit of a bait and switch, called it an <laughs> athletic camp that yeah. was Christian. <laughs> I was really into sports, and so it sounded great. And He was my best friend. And eighth grade, I heard the gospel for the first time, <clears throat> made a profession of faith in Christ at that point. Really all through high school, uh, would have identified as a Christian, but I don't think I really understood the gospel looking back on that time. I, I kind of thought being a Christian was just sort of the equivalent of being a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, if I didn't drink or cuss or sleep around, um, if I obeyed all the rules, God would let me into heaven and Jesus fit in there somewhere, but I didn't really understand how it all worked. And it, it wasn't because the gospel wasn't presented well to me. I just didn't understand the grace of God, that it was undeserved, unmerited favor. And um, and so I, I was always trying to perform to earn God's love, just like I was trying to perform to earn everybody else's love. And I went to college as a freshman at the University of Texas. I was a little bit adrift. And as a guy who thought, I was going to be saved because I was obeying the rules. All of a sudden, I wasn't obeying the rules. Mm. And that kind of put me in a crisis. I ended up getting a job at that Christian athletic camp. And I um, I went up there to work. And for the first time in my life, I was around people my own age who, who genuinely loved Jesus. I mean, mm. they had joy. They had peace. They had security. They had all this stuff that I didn't have. And it wasn't because they were faking it. We were working really hard and it just came out of them. And I remember one morning praying and I was like, Lord, I don't know what I am, but I know I'm not what these people are. Mm. And um, that night a guy gave a talk on Romans three and Romans three verses 10 through 12 says, there's no one righteous. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks after God. Uh, they've all turned away. Together, they've become worthless, and which is horrible news. Yeah. But for me, I was like, I'm not alone. Yeah. Like, I, there, there's hope for me. Like, and then later on in Romans three, it talks about, but now there's a righteousness apart from the law that has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. And it's, it goes on to say, a salvation is offered by grace alone through faith alone. And I was like, that's my only hope. Like mm. I, before. I thought I was moral enough and I wasn't, but that's what I thought. I'd, I'd compare myself to other people and think, well, I'm doing pretty well. And, you know, all of a sudden I wasn't. And I was like, there's no way God could love me based on that standard. And so then a righteousness apart from the law by grace, I was like, yeah, I'll take all of that. Yeah. And so that's how I became a Christian. Um, almost immediately after that, a couple of guys really started investing in me and, and like discipling me. And they were guys that I, I probably never would have been friends with just apart from Christ. But they, they did a tremendous work in my life, you know, walking alongside of me and teaching me scripture, teaching me how to do ministry. And, and so really, I've, I've kind of been committed to making disciples ever since. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that that story where you talked about being performance based and comparing yourself to others, I think that was something that was very similar to me as well. Because even in high school, I was growing up as the good Christian kid, you know, the person, I guess, that spoke out mostly about, you know, Jesus. But I wouldn't say at that time I was a true follower because I was comparison. I was comparing like myself to everybody else. And also it was really performance based and things like that. And you know, when you said like understanding that grace level and understanding that you can't do anything to really be saved, I think that's something where I had to understand. But there's also a lot of men that's watching right now, you know, that that has that, but also are other reasons outside of that, maybe why they're not going to church. Okay. Maybe why they're not, you know, pursuing Jesus. Maybe it's because somebody that's claimed they'd be following, you know, God. They turn out not to be following God. Now they're a hypocrite. They right. you know, compare all those things, you know. So there is a huge gap missing as far as young men in the church today. And I think that performance base is one of them on a personal level. Yep. But it's also some other areas where us as followers of God are missing the mark to bring people to make disciples as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, there's couple of things that are probably at play there, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you're doing. I am. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the first one is a lot of us, especially as guys and especially as young guys, believe the lie that there is a joy or an abundance outside of following Jesus that the world will offer that is greater. And, and so then we say, well, I'll chase that for a period of my life. And when I get married, when I have kids, when I settle down, when I you know get old, then I'll revert back to Jesus. But but Jesus isn't best for me right now. <clears throat> I tried that my freshman year of college. I was chasing the world and <clears throat> thinking, well, you know, girls or drinking or you know whatever it is, just having fun will satisfy me. And I I felt isolated. I, I felt alone. Um, the more I chased the world, the less satisfied I was. Mm. And, and so I, I could not figure it out. I thought not following Jesus to try to get the world would work. And it, it just didn't. And I knew somewhere deep in my soul that God wanted more for me. That's the other thing that happens is um, I think the church in America has made a huge mistake. Pastors largely desperate to fill their you know sanctuaries with with people have have lowered the bar for what it means to be a man for what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus and and really they've just said as long as you show up at church and, and listen passively to our message and then give some money you're fine we, we're trying to make you as comfortable as possible and like if you look at the gospels Jesus disciples, they were bored. They were never bored. They were terrified, bewildered, amazed, never bored. And so, like the fact that men today in the church are bored with the Christianity that is being rolled out to them is a great indication that we're not preaching the fullness of what God wanted when He when Jesus came and said, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." So. Mm-hmm. I think to make people comfortable, we've we've also made them bored, and and that's that's a, one of the big reasons that guys are like, yeah, you know, it's boring. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the reality is, God calls us 
to a lot of things, but the ultimate result is Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. And I think that comes through sacrifice and through obedience and through some things that are actually really challenging, but but the net result is a, a passionate and fulfilling life. And so I feel like the church, in order to get people in the door, have sacrificed some of that. And it's at the expense of, of men actually stepping into the roles that God's designed them to step into. Yeah, and I, I do think that, um, and I, I, I was talking to a colleague of mine and he mentioned that men, they have this desire to follow something because I do, it's an influx of influential people, people that's online that have a mass amount of following of men. I'm huge. Sure. And they are, you know, listening to them. They're paying attention to them. And, you know, they're not going to church because of the reason that you said right. because they also even feel like it's not really geared towards them. Yeah. A lot of churches geared towards, you know, the emotional side, towards women's side. Right. And, you know, they don't talk about a lot of biblical manhood stuff and equipping stuff, because even what you say about the Gospels, a lot of people don't know that like, if you follow Jesus, it's hard. Yeah. You, you're going to suffer. You know, it's going to be painful. It's not it's not easy. You know, especially back in those days, they're following, they're walking. You know what I mean? So. I think there's a lot of um, of disconnect in that area because these men are pushing and following someone else outside of the church and Jesus. Right. So the, the church has compromised its message at some level and the world has come in in the vacuum that the church has created and given them alternative messages that are basically self-oriented. Like, hey, you, you know, you take what you can, and it's a real self-centered message. And and manhood, by the world standards, has has either been kind of domesticated, and and we've become real soft, or there's a pendulum swing to the other side where it's it's conquer and abuse women, and you know, like. And the reality is, the world's offering two different things, neither of which. Are, are biblical or ultimately produce the satisfaction that, that God intends. And so it's, you know, there are different messages in the world. In the end, they're, they're both kind of divergent from God's plan. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sad, honestly. Yeah. It's sad because men, I think, are desperate for something. I mean, they want to follow something and... And the things that they're deciding to follow lead them further astray. Yeah. Um, and and there is a hope in Christ that um, that God gives us, and and it's, I mean, it's it's a joy. Yeah. Yo, what's good, everybody? We're gonna take a quick pause from this week's amazing episode to talk to you guys about our amazing sponsors over at Skillshare. Guys, Skillshare is a real A1 day one from the roommates, and we absolutely love Skillshare because they are a unique online learning community where men and women can learn all types of creative and entrepreneurial skills. Man, so many men for the past years in the roommates have been learning, have been blossoming, have been transforming from Skillshare because not only do you get the first month free to test it out, but Skillshare has such a vast library of courses, of resources that you guys can be able to tap into today. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates and take advantage of this opportunity. Guys, 
On the podcast, we meet so many amazing men and women who are so talented, but they didn't get their skills overnight. They had to master these things and Skillshare gives you all the resources that you can be able to master your best self and tap into your full potential. So do not delay. Get on Skillshare today. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates. Trust me, you'll thank us later. And let's get back to this week's episode. I definitely agree with you that that joy and that love that God, and even the impact that changed in our lives. You know, we want people to experience that. But how can we as, you know, just leaders and, you know, people that want the gospel to be shared, want people to really follow God, you know, because we understand that that's the life that we feel like is what God's calling you to, to live by. How can we really kind of interrupt that those you know those other influencers and, and really like hey you know fix your eyes on jesus not on you know these this man or this specific community or this specific this specific you know whatever you know how can we really push people towards jesus you know i, I mean i i i have kind of one answer for everything Go and ahead. the answer no. is disciple making <clears throat> like the the way to reintroduce men um, into the life that God has called us to is, is by personal disciple making. So me taking younger guys and, and saying, I'm, I'm going to live as a model of Christ for you. And I'm, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to walk alongside of you. And I'm going to challenge you and I'm to, to live the life that Jesus has called us to. But it, it's not just something you read in a book. It's, it's something that has to be modeled. So disciple making isn't just a, course on systematic theology. It's, it's life on life and it's, it's caught as much as it is taught. Mm. And, and so the, the fact that it's highly relational, you get to see the actual ramifications of the teaching lived out in people's lives. And that, that's where it gets fun because you're, you're investing in guys so that they end up going out and sharing their faith in Jesus or walking along a brother in Christ who's struggling with something or, you know, doing other great things that actually contribute to the kingdom where they get to see God work in and through them to accomplish things. That's where we fall in love with Jesus. It's not by passively sitting in a pew, just listening, you know, to whoever the preacher is preach and then just taking in a bunch of information about Jesus, which is all good information, presumably. But it's it's actually being challenged to to walk it out and and to live it and not only to live it individually but to live it in a community where someone's investing in me and then I'm going and investing in them and and God is working through the community to accomplish a fancy word called sanctification, mm-hmm. which is just us growing up to look more like Jesus and it's. It is rich. It is delightful. It is fulfilling. It's challenging. Um, in the end, though, it is what God has for all of us. And passivity sabotages all of it. Mm, so why do you feel like that biblical concept of discipleship, that life on life um, kind of relationship is the best way to f- act and follow as a Christian? Yeah, I mean. The first answer is because it's what God has not only designed us to do, but he's also commissioned us to do it. You know, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, 
Jesus is about to ascend to the right hand of God, the disciples are doubting themselves. How can they carry on without Jesus? And if, if you look at the, the life of the disciples when Jesus was walking the earth, I can understand their doubts. I mean, they, they messed up all the time. And, and Jesus comes to them and they're worshiping. He's about to ascend to the right hand of God. And he says, he says, look, I get that you're doubting. You remember this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you. And I'll be with you to the very end of the age. And so Jesus' point is, this is what I've given you to do. Like there's a lot of things you can do. This is the thing you must do. I mean, it's the last thing he says before he ascends to the right hand of God. And, and so he, basically the spiritual gifts that God has given every believer in Jesus, those are given so that we can use them to invest in other people for the revealing of God's kingdom, the advancement of God's kingdom, ultimately for God's glory. And so God created us to do this. He's commissioned us to do it. And he's also said, and when you do it, I'm with you every step of the way. Like Jesus, all authority in heaven where he's going, but also on earth where the disciples are staying mm. has been given to Jesus. So the point is, stop doubting yourself. Like you're focused on the wrong person. Jesus says, I have all the authority and I'm, I'm with you. Get after it. Mm. And um, <clears throat> when we do, we realize that, that God isn't just making theoretical promises, that his, his promises actually stand up to scrutiny today, to experience today. And, and when we see that God is alive and at work, not only in us, but, but through us to, to change other people's lives, there's no greater joy. Mm. I mean, it, you know, nothing, nothing else will satisfy. Um, once you've, you've tasted that life, because it's the life that God designed us to live. Mm. I loved everything you said, Wes. I think that is absolutely 100% fact and, and beautiful, um, well put together. These men, they are highly, I would say, distracted. <clears throat> yeah. You know, they're, they're on video games. There are they're on a computer, they're on YouTube, they're there are they're focused on consuming content from these either same age males or, or a little bit older than uh, men, and they're feeding into that content. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, if I were sitting here, I'm asking you, like, hey, well, this is the type of men that, you know, I feel like you have called me to disciple. This is the type of men that yeah. I'm supposed to help lead. How do I, as a person that wants to, you know, do more, wants to get in the game and get after yeah. it, like you said, how can I penetrate those men that are highly distracted by the world? Yeah, and, and that is a great challenge, by the way. So I, what I would offer you um, can work. It doesn't always work. And you got you to gotta find the guys who want it to work. <clears throat> but I, I'm reminded when you when you raise that question about a quote from C.S. Lewis that I will obliterate on this <laughs> podcast. <clears throat> but, but basically, he, he mentions at one point kids being content to make mud pies in a, a gutter. 
um, because they cannot imagine a holiday at the beach. Mm. And, and that, that's the life that a lot of men apart from Christ are living. They're, they're bored and their, their satisfaction for their boredom is just greater distraction. So I'll, I'll exist in a video game. Um, I mean, like deep down in their souls, if they would stop playing the video game, there's got to be something in them that says there's got to be more to life than a virtual reality, right? I mean, relationally, there's got to be more. There, there's just got to be more meaning than getting a high score on a game designed for children. <clears throat> and so when G, I mean, you see the same principle at stake. Jesus in the Gospels <clears throat> goes to Peter and the sons of Zebedee, uh, and, and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Those guys are hard at work being fishers of fish. And, and he's like, let's, let's raise the bar here. Let's, let's do something. It's not that being a career fisherman is insubstantial, but I'm calling you to something better. Um, instead of fishers of fish, I'll make you fishers of men. Like that is dignifying. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's, that's what Jesus is calling us to. <clears throat> and the problem is if you just talk about it, the difference between fishers of fish and fishers of men might not matter much. But if you're walking alongside someone and say, you come with me and let's do this together, that's when you see the difference. And that's that's when Christianity becomes really fun, at which point the addiction to distraction, which is what, you know, I'm not saying all gaming is bad. I'm, I'm saying a life that centers around gaming is a waste. Mm. Um, and so once you can see God's design that, that is like a holiday at the beach, you stop making mud pies in the gutter. And, and that, I think it's an experiential reality. And a lot of times the church isn't giving people the opportunity to experience God working through them. Part of the problem is churches, again, are trying to fill seats. And in order to do that, they they want to put forward a presentation that is polished and slick because they're afraid of losing people. Well, if you're only trying to be polished and slick, if if there's no place for raw and genuine, well, then regular people aren't going to be able to participate. And so they're going to always be designated as spectators Mm. instead of players. I mean, like in any sport you ever played, it's more fun to play it than it is to watch it. But, but the church has made men spectators. And, and so, yeah, they get bored. Mm -hmm. Um, That was never Jesus design. He, He always wanted us to get in the game and to use whatever gifts we have to make a contribution to a team that ultimately goes out and advances God's kingdom. And that, that's what the church is. Um, and so <clears throat> I get that a lot of people's experience of church has been a far cry from what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, though, is Jesus' vision for the church, not a lot of people's experience of the church. Mm. And, and we've, we've got to do better, honestly. Yeah, so. yeah, 100%. I, I do think that we have to do better. And, you know, I do think it's the, the men, you know, like the, the leaders, you know, of the church definitely have to rally that uh, that movement up. Um, because I 
really didn't understand or really even heard of discipleship until I got to college. Okay. And I grew up going to church in my entire life. And when you're right, when you experience Christianity and that walk on walk, side by side, life on life kind of relationship is completely different. That's why I cherish my, my discipleship uh, leader and Tim when he gave, when he led me to Christ yeah. uh, in, at, at U of H. Um, and I want to, I want you to tell people why that experience that every day that get up, wake up, like, you know, be along somebody getting in the Bible. Why is that experience is such a game changer than just going to church passively? Yeah. Um, the, the biggest part of it is we, we get to see God not as a historical figure in a historical book, which is in passive Christianity, how we have to read the Bible. But we get to see it as a, a living and breathing document that, that informs our lives. And, and so it's, it's really the way that we get to test the claims of Scripture and find that they still work today. Mm. Like, it, you know, to have faith isn't just cognitive assent where like, oh, I ascribe to this belief. To, to have faith biblically is, is to be willing to take steps in a direction and, and to move. Um, and, and so to, to say, well, I believe that, you know, this chair can hold me if I'm standing beside it. Biblically, that's not faith. To, to have faith that this chair can hold me is to actually lower my body weight into the chair and see that it catches me. That's what faith is. And so we talk about faith just as cognitive assent. And, and scripture is like, put God to the test um, in healthy and you know, biblically sound ways. You know, that doesn't mean you should test the Lord like in, in silly ways. Or, but, but when he promises to work in and through people who are doing the work of ministry, go see if he means it. Um, go make disciples and, and see if your life isn't better. See if your life isn't joyful or rich. See if your community isn't much more profound than it ever would have been apart from making disciples. And, and once you do, and, and God works in and through you, the stuff that the world offers us is exposed for what it is, like clay similitudes, you know, things that, that aren't real compared to the reality that God has offered us. And so it's, it's the best, and, but, it, but it has to be experiential. If it's not experiential, if it's, if it's just in the realm of thoughts or cognitive ascent, it, it'll get boring after a while, like it, it does every time. And all of this, by the way, just, just if I can get on a little bit more of a rant, all of this, um, we don't do, we don't choose this life as a disciple maker <clears throat> to get close to God. Um, that would be legalism. That is works-based stuff. So I don't, I don't do spiritual disciplines and I don't act in accordance with the mandates of scripture in order to get close to God. Ultimately, what the Bible says is the blood of Christ has already brought us near to God. And so all the things I do spiritual disciplines, read my Bible, pray, go to church, um, share the gospel, you know, fast, you know, whatever 
the things that God has commanded us to do. We don't do those to get close to God. We do those out of a position that we already are close to God. And those things remind us of the existing closeness we have so that when we go out into the world, we go as celebrators rather than than people who are striving. Um, I, I can't make God love me any more than he already does. He loves me with a perfect love based on the finished work and perfect righteousness of his son. But what I can do by disciplines and by obedience is live in, a, in an awareness of the grace that has already been given to me so that when I go out to the world, I go not to try to earn God's favor, but embracing and enjoying God's favor because of what Christ has done. That's what the world needs. I mean, like what the world needs is, is not Christians who are like dour and and always like beat up and striving. Christian or the world needs Christians who who are full of joy and who are secure in who they are. I mean, ultimately, a lot of the influencers that you talked about, they're trying to teach men how to strive to gain what Christ has already given us. Mm. I mean, that that's the problem. Like the world, the world is offering routes to security that A, won't work, and B, are already provided in Christ. So, so God offers us what the world offers us, but not with no strings attached and in a way that is effective and permanent. Um, it's, the whole thing is better. I mean, God's paradigm is just so much better than the world's paradigm. And, and, and we are robbed of joy and we rob God of glory when we don't step into that life. Yeah. One thing I did uh, want to talk about is when you pointed out that we need more Christians to be secure, to be more active, to be more, you know, outgoing and things like that. I believe there's so many people out there that are wanting to follow God, trying to follow God, but they're still holding on to something. Right. They holding on could be a relationship. Yeah. It could be some past trauma. It could be something, a sin they don't want to give up, like sex or whatever, you know, like to those out there that's holding on to something that they, you know, really want to keep to themselves, not really give it to, to God just yet because of embarrassment or whatever the case, you know, how do we get those people to really understand that you got to bring that to the foot of the cross so you can really receive God? I mean, in a lot of ways, that is the work of the Spirit. He, hmm. He's going to have to convince people that the things that they are holding on to are actually holding them back from the joy that God designed for us. And so we can model it, but apart from the Spirit using our modeling to convince other people of the freedom that they have in Christ. I mean, the book of Galatians talks so much about the freedom we have in Christ, but we can evidence it to the people that we're trying to influence or disciple or whatever, but it is a work of the spirit. Now, that being said, when it happens, it's hard to go back. Mm-hmm. I mean, once once you've tasted that, I'm not saying that once it happens, we won't fall back into sin because that does happen. And it happens in my life mm-hmm. uh, for sure. But it, it's it's easier to identify. Wait a second. I have forfeited a joy that I have experienced 
and uh, that comes through obedience and abiding in Christ and being used by God. <clears throat> I miss that. Yeah. Like this, the stuff I'm chasing at after that makes me forfeit that isn't worth what what I have in Christ. And so, and I can back <clears throat> you up on that honestly. Just like when I was getting discipled, I was really you know gun ho in the game. I definitely felt that spirit and I know I was like man when you feel the Holy Spirit inside you like you said it's a whole different world Nothing a whole different better. experience and then when things step away like I moved like uh-huh. not going to church as much not being around as many Christian people and things like that um, I felt like man hold up what, like where, uh-huh. where 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 did the Holy Spirit like why is it not as you know I guess just in me or at least that feeling uh-huh. yeah but you like you said once you get a taste of it it's kind of like Okay, the bar is set up way here now, and like now, if I'm looking where I'm at, it's like I'm I'm down here, but to the world, you know, successful podcast, you know, money, you know, you got everything you got going on for yourself, but spiritually, I'm sitting here like, man, I'm I'm drained, like I'm empty, you know, and I think that was a that's a huge point you made because once you do remember, you get a taste of it, it's like okay, like. That's something where I could always like I need to go back to. I, I must go back to because that's my my foundation. And when I did start coming back, you know, instantly it was like I never left before, yeah. you know. And that's like the beauty and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like, you know, now tasted the world a couple times. It's like I don't want really anything to do with it. But for the men, and I really want to talk about the, the single men right now. Cause like the, the single men and what um, and what is being told to them and what what's being preached to them and how they even acting right now is like it's like a completely different world and information even seven, eight years ago when I was growing up. What are men supposed to do in a in, in their singleness biblically? I mean, live in purity. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, break that down. Well, God is God has said in scripture to keep the marriage bed undefiled, which means don't have sex outside of marriage. Uh, I think the tr- there are some guardrails that God gives us in terms of sexual purity that, that we should uh, live above reproach, that our, our thoughts about the women that we take out on dates should honor God, not just our actions. So it's, it's not just what we do physically. It's what we do mentally. Uh, we should, we should honor um, the girls that we take on dates because they are made in the image of God and, and they are <clears throat> they are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's another part of it. Is like as Christians, we should date women who love Jesus supremely more than us. Um, I will love my wife most when I love Jesus more. Mm. <clears throat> and so that's you know like the goal for a single guy. Sure, live in purity, meaning abstain from things that God has called us to abstain from. <clears throat> Honestly, I, I think sometimes Christianity uh, is misleading Christians because they define life in Christ uh, only in the negative. So I am an obedient Christian if I don't do this, and if I don't do this, and if I don't do this. The reality is we don't do those things so that we can do the things that God has also called us to, which is making disciples and, and treating people in a way that glorifies God and living in community that is rich and meaningful and substantial. Um, all of those things are what God has actually called us to. 
sharing our faith with you know other people like at, in, at work or in our recreational pursuits so it's it's not just a, abstaining from the things that are prohibited it's it's actually living toward the commands that God has called us to um, I mean it's go and make disciples but that's really just kind of the the net result of all the other things that God I mean Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, that's the great commandment. It's the same as the great commission. I mean, the great that's the great commission is how we fulfill the great commandment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <clears throat> all the other commandments in scripture are there for God's glory, but also for our benefit. I mean, the, the life that results from obedience to God is not a life of scarcity. It's it's a life of abundance. And and the the major problem right now is that the church isn't doing probably a great job of defining the mission of a life in Christ because we've lowered the bar so much. And, And the world has come in and said, oh, what we offer is actually better, more fulfilling. And and that might be true, but what Christ has offered us is way better than what the world will offer us. And that's that's where we have to get better as a church, honestly. We, we have to get better at calling men not just to abstain from sin, but to step into the, the life of leadership that God has called us to. Um, and it's put God to the test, you know. Yeah live in obedience and see if it isn't more fulfilling. That doesn't mean that every day is is going to be an ecstatic experience, but but the sum total of days lived oriented toward obedience will produce a life that is meaningful and rich and is beyond what the world is offering apart from Christ. And that that's that's what single men actually, and married men have to realize in in a lot of ways, they're different. In a lot of ways, we're all the same. I mean, I'm 53. I'm still battling a lot of the temptations that I battled when I was 23. Um, it, the, the principal temptation is to live autonomously, mm. you know, to, to live independently from God's directive and, and to think, that I'm the master of my own fate. And and the reality is I was built, designed to live in dependence on God. And I thrive when I yield to his authority. Mm. And so if all men can figure that out, if all women can figure that out, like we're all better off, we all end up having greater relationships. We have less stress, less anxiety. There is more freedom in all of that than than trying to be the captain of my own ship when I'm not that good at navigating apart from God, from Christ. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so very interesting where it's like, like I believe everything you're saying. I, I know if someone's watching right now that has been following the world and has received the abundance in the world in positive ways. Yeah. Meaning like they lost weight. <coughs> Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Meaning like they got their finances in order. They got their fashion in order. They got 
you know, they're getting attention from women now, you know, all those things, like, it's like they, they leveled up in positive ways. In the yeah. outside world, I'm sure they probably getting some recognition, yeah. some accolades, you know, they're having a good job and doing all those things. For that person, you know, for that, because I feel like those people, if you know, if you can take a step forward, you can also do the same thing spiritually and even the leadership role. Like I thought those leaders, how can we get those leaders that has been moving forward positively in abundance in the worldly things, mm-hmm. but maybe not necessarily even understand the Christian uh, the spiritual side or not really get exactly what that looks like to grow spiritually. What do you say to that person? Yeah, um, there are a lot of things that the world will endorse that that you know it aren't necessarily opposed to the life that Jesus would call us to. So you know, if if the world is saying, "Hey, we should eat healthy and we should get exercise," I think God would say, "We need to take care of ourselves. We are stewards of the life that God has given us." So, so there are some things that are congruent. <clears throat> Ultimately, the the big difference between people who are by a worldly standard, living in healthy ways. And I don't dispute that those things are healthy. Um, but but the life that Jesus has called us to does many of those things, but ultimately not for selfish gain. Like that that's the difference. If, if I am living according to good principles, but for self-glory, I'm still a self-centered, self-oriented person, which in the end is going to isolate. I'm not going to be investing in people. I'm not going to give my life away to other people. I will get strong. And then the only result of getting strong will be, hey, look at me. Like, look how great I am now. Where is that going to lead you? I mean, that you're always going to be performing to try to gain attention. It, that's still an insecure disposition and mentality. The reality is... <clears throat> We are stewards of everything that God has given us, and we utilize what God has given us for his glory. And so if I am kind to somebody, it's not so that I can gain advantage or gain reputation. It's so that they might look at Jesus and go, he must be real. Mm. Um, so like my goal in being you know, a the person that God designed me to be isn't so that people will look at me. It's so that I can be an effective ambassador of Jesus. And so that ultimately people will go, his king must be better than my king. Mm. And and my king is better than the world's king, like every time. And so ultimately that's that's the big distinction. I, I, there are plenty of really kind people, really moral people even by the world's standards who don't know Jesus. <clears throat> Ultimately, the the thing that they are missing is something greater than themselves as the object of their affection. And and there is something greater, and Mm. it's Christ and the gospel and the kingdom that God has called us to represent. Yeah, I I believe that is absolutely true and beautiful. You know, for those out there that are... Like I said, in the earlier, there there's a huge influx of men that is desired to follow somebody. Yeah. And a lot of those men didn't have a father or a leader or a coach to speak life into them. Right. They they they're getting that from online and from other from you know other sources. 
how is God the Father, him as a father figure in our life for the men, how can we really be able to identify how he's like a father to us where we should go to him like a father figure and things like that? Yeah, that um, that's a great question. And, and it's, it's a hard one to answer, honestly, because so many of our parental relationships have we, we've come out of cultures that are so broken. And that is white, black, rich, poor. I mean, universally, we live in a broken society. And so the, the unconditional love of a heavenly father oftentimes hasn't been modeled real well by our, our earthly fathers. And, and so it's, it's hard to get on the scent of it. Honestly, um, now I, th- I think you can. I, I think you must. I, yeah. I think joy is found in that journey, uh, and I think that journey is an experiential journey, not not just a theological journey. Um, and I love theology. I mean, there's nothing wrong with theology, but we should we should live lives congruent with our good theology, and that that proves the veracity of God. Mm. And and so. <clears throat> The other, the other part of this that I would say, you know, like me experiencing the love of God, the grace of God, all of these things, <clears throat> that happens actually through the body of Christ, the church. So a, a collection of individuals coming together to worship and to represent to the world, but also to each other, literally the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus. So I experience God's grace in community, not in isolation. Uh, so, I, But I have to get into community um, in order to experience it in a real tangible way. That doesn't mean that it doesn't exist apart from the church, but it is demonstrated profoundly through the church. And, and, and so I think online church, honestly, is an oxymoron. Mm. I, I don't like it because you're just receiving information <clears throat> passively from your living room in your pajamas. And, and there's no opportunity to give to other people or to receive from other people who are trying to walk with Jesus alongside of you. And so I, I think you have to get into real, tangible community in order to fully experience the grace of God, the love of God, and you do it through the people he's redeemed. Mm. Uh, I, I think that's a big part of God's equation. We're so individualistic as Americans, though. I don't think we we see it that way. Like yeah. When the Bible is written, it's re- written to an Eastern culture. They understood community a lot better than we do. As Americans, we believe in like rugged individualism and things like that. We're, we're very individualistic in our our disposition. And I think we miss some of what God has for us, which is meant to be experienced, like I said, in community. Yeah, I think community is a huge part of your walk in, in the believers because it, it allows you to see like God and other people uh, as well, amen. especially especially in uh, marriages um, too. I think that's like the huge uh, proponent where uh, I want the men and women that's watching that, like your marriage is supposed to be kind of like a window or an example of, you know, Christ into the church. Absolutely. You know? 
And same thing with having kids, by the way. Mm. Like, I don't know that I fully understood the unconditional love of my heavenly father until I had children of my own. And I had like this unique, overpowering love for them um, when they're born. So they haven't done anything for me. Uh, they, they haven't, you know, they're not contributing to my well-being at that point, but they are mine. And, and I have this like innate desire to protect them and to care for them. And, and, and so God then calls us his heavenly father. And I'm like, I'm starting to get it. I'm not saying I get it completely, but having a spouse to love sacrificially and then having children um, who we love unconditionally, those are things that God has built into the family to put us on the scent of his love. Mm. And it's, it's beautiful. So the church, the family, both divine institutions which help us to understand the fullness of God's still unimaginable love yeah. that he has for us. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, that was a, a beautiful illustration. I, and it also reminds me of what you said, like, as you walk with, with God, you won't get bored because that's a new thing that you learn and you put into this, like, that's a whole nother, like, kind of like, I can't wait to experience that. I feel like I can't really truly experience what you're going through up until I have kids. I'm like, man, I already know that's going to make me cry probably because it's like now I understand like uh, like God love for me because I can see the love that I have for my child. And I think that's uh, that's something where a lot of people don't really know and understand um, with their Christian walk as well. And I have I have this is really just a personal question for me. All right. I've been going to a church that had that has not have your preaching style and your preaching style. Um, what's the ex exact preaching style? Like the expository. We work through books of the Bible and that way we can't duck or overlook anything that is in God's word. We, we, we try to we try to see it, first of all, in context. And then we, we cover really everything that is written in the book that we're we're reading at the time. Yeah, so you going you going through Romans 1, Romans 2, Romans right. 3, you're not ducking no smoke. No. A lot of churches that I have visited, that I have seen, you know, they don't do it that way. They don't have that top, that style. They morally do a topic, yeah. you know, or uh, something that's going to get people in the seats. And then they kind of use a verse to kind of reference that and they talk about that sure. topic. How do you view and feel about the way, like the preaching style that you do and the preaching style that that churches or those churches do. And I'm, I'm asking this because I truly feel sitting and listening to you, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I got to get up and, and get in the game because the way the word is, you know, popping out right now, it's like, that's literally the Holy Spirit telling me this. But if I go to another church, it's like, I I can't be passive. Yeah. I can be chill. I can be just just show up and, that, and that's all good. You know, so... Do you feel more so it's like, and I don't know how I'm really asking this question. I don't know if it's more so the preaching style. I don't know if it's the church as a whole or it's the community or what's going on. But I do think your preaching style and that preaching style makes, well, that preaching style makes more passivity versus you. It's like you come here, you know what you're going to get when you show up here. Yeah. So, um, I mean, first of all, there are different styles of preaching that, that can be effective. Yes. So I, there's not one that is right and one that is wrong. Correct. 
the, each style of preaching has inherent advantages and disadvantages. And so uh, the, um, the inherent advantage to what we do is it ensures that we're reading in context. We're not just pulling verses out to fit, you know, whatever message I want it to fit, but I'm, I'm actually reading it in the context and, and we're letting the meaning of the text come out and, and then we're trying to apply it as opposed to wanting a, re, a meaning that we we kind of put into a verse. And so I, I like that. I like the context. I like that we can't duck anything. The, the advantage to the other style is that it enables you to, um, to, to hand pick what messages are going to be preached on any given week. Like they, those, those sermons should always be relevant because mm-hmm. you're, you're picking stuff that you think is relevant. Correct. Now, in, in a nod to relevance, you, you sacrifice some things. You, you sacrifice context. Yeah. Um, you, you sacrifice like the, the idea that all of God's scripture is relevant, not just the stuff that's easily perceived as relevant. And so there's, I mean, I, I am biased toward an expository or exegetical preaching style for sure. It's, you know, it's, it's fairly rare today. Mm-hmm. I understand why it's rare. It's, it's uh, there are things that you have to work harder to make your congregation see the importance. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean it's not important. Yeah, It just means you're going to have to work harder to show people why God put this in the book. Sound, uh, sound like a man to me. It's not like a leader. You know? and, um, yeah. and so, <laughs> so anyway, I, I am for it. It, it. it also ends up like there's some things in Scripture that are incredibly encouraging. I mean, like, grace is unbelievable. I, I don't I don't understand why anyone would not want a love that was unconditionally given through the sacrifice and the substitutionary atonement of Jesus who, who died so we wouldn't have to. Like, that is good news every day. Like, that, that is always encouraging. It should be. There, like, to be offended by that is, is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Flip side is, there's some things in Scripture you know, like Jesus says, unless you're willing to take up your cross daily to follow me, you're not worthy of me. You know, that that's hard stuff. That that's raising the bar really high. <laughs> and and the reality is, the way we've decided to handle the Word of God, we're going to cover both of them, and and we're going to try to do our very best to explain the context of why things are said the way they are. But we're not going to duck it. We're not going to explain it away. We're just going to explain it. And then we're going to let the Spirit of God deal with people's souls. And, you know, I think it was Charles Spurgeon said that um, good preaching comforts the afflicted Mm. and afflicts the comforted. And and (laughs) I think both are true and both are needed. And and if if I'm just picking whatever I want to preach, and like I promise... All I'm doing is comforting the afflicted. Yeah. I'm never afflicting the comforted. Because mm. I want to be liked. Uh, the reality is my job isn't to be liked. My job is to show people Jesus and and say, let's, let's live for his glory 
and, and see how great he is. So that's, that's why we preach the way we do. And again, there's, there's strengths and weaknesses to it. I get it. And I, there's some really good churches who have different preaching styles. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's how we like to do it. Beautiful. Well, Pastor Wes, I really appreciate you sitting down with me. Um, this was something that, like I said, God, I feel like God wanted me to do. And I, you know, I really want to sit here and just be obedient and really, you know, give, you know, your, your sermon, your views and your ways really just to show it to my audience, you know, because I think that, you know, living a life for Jesus and being discipled and, and making disciples is the true purpose and passion for us on this earth. And I want my audience to really understand and show that because we, we teach a lot of things. We teach them about finding your purpose. We teach them about getting in the weight room. We teach them about really having self-esteem and confidence, a lot of manhood stuff, yeah. you know. But also, I want to make sure that if I look back on the platform, did I really also hold in on the spiritual side as well because I know what I have. I know what God has done in my life. And I want to make sure I be able to share with the people that's on my platform as well. So I just appreciate you helping me do that. And uh, and, and if there's any other closing messages or words uh, to my audience, that would be great. Oh, man. Well, first of all, thanks for what you're doing. I think it's awesome. I love that you're doing this. And I, um, I'll be praying not only for you and the ministry that this is, um, but also for the people who are watching. Like, I... I love that you're challenging men to be men, um, to lay down their lives for the, for God and his glory, for their families, um, to live lives that are honoring to God. I mean, like, it's great. It's, it's real encouraged by, by what you're doing, Chris. Um, honestly, the only encouragement I would give is that like the life that a good God has called us to must be by definition better than what the world, which is marred with sin, would call us to. And so just get ahead of that and and know that while the temptations of this world are going to be certainly immediate and quickly satisfying, they are not substantial and long-term they come with shackles. Mm. They, they imprison men and, um, and God wants more for you. So I, I'm praying for the people listening to this, that they would believe that and they would live accordingly. Well, thank you, Pastor Wes. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, audience, make sure y'all reach out to Pastor Wes. Where can they find you? If they want to reach out, say, say thank you. West at gbcyouston.org. Okay. Um, that's, I mean, my email is probably the best way to get in touch. With I will put it in the, in the description below. So make sure y'all give Wes, if they have, if y'all have any questions, biblical, spiritually, y'all can, y'all know y'all can hit me up, you know, so make sure y'all do that. Appreciate you all for watching. My name is Chris, the star of the show, and we're joined by Wes Brazelton. Thanks so much, guys. Hey, y'all. We'll see y'all next week.